Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. This episode is brought to you by Lesser Evil. Lesser Evil is a healthy popcorn that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Today's guest is Madeleine DeRose. Madeleine and I met in a Facebook group and connected as podcast hosts. She shared with me that she had dyslexia, and it was a topic that I thought was so important to address on the show. So welcome, Madeleine. Hi. So happy to have you here. I'm excited. As you walked in the door, we were trying to figure out how to pronounce your name because you've got a lot of different names <laughs> that you identify with. I know. I kind how of, do you introduce kind of, yourself? It depends on how deep my relationship with the person that I'm introducing myself to is going to be. <laughs> so if it's like a quick hi, it's M, the letter M. My nickname of like my friends is Mado. Family. They call me Madeleine. My sister has all kinds of fun names like Poopser. <laughs> Excellent. My husband calls me Queen, you know. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Okay. I was born and raised in Munich, Germany. I'm half American, though my mom is American. And I am now living in New York City again working as a freelance stylist, social media manager, and podcaster. <laughs> and what's your podcast? My podcast is Ladies on Ludlow, telling stories about other mainly females, also mainly living in New York, and about personal growth and creative entrepreneurs and how to have a healthy mind, body, and planet. Love that. So we initially connected because of podcasting, and you were launching shortly after I did, and we were sort of bouncing ideas off of each other. And then you sent me an email saying, hey, by the way, I checked out your show a little further, and I have what I guess is an invisible illness, and maybe we should talk about it. So here we are. You were diagnosed with dyslexia. What does that mean to you? When were you diagnosed? Like, give me the rundown. All right. So I felt like I wanted to be on this podcast because I was always very open with dyslexia. And I also feel like there's a lot of misconception when it comes to it. But I'll probably get back to that later. I'll start at the very beginning. So my mom said, and in preparation of this podcast, I kind of revisited the whole thing with her because obviously I, you know, remember part of it. But yeah, she basically said that she noticed when I was very young already that I was very sensitive to noise and touch. And that, I mean, I had a couple, like I call them meltdowns, that I still do, you know. And she's like, oh, okay, maybe we should see what's going on. I'm very different than my sister who was like quiet and all that. Then she also told me the story that when she wanted to get me into school, my birthday's in August, so they were like trying to get me in early, basically. And apparently I was asked to draw my family and I drew a house and the people, whatever, were like, well, where's your family? And I said, well, you can't see them because they're all lying in bed and like you can't see them through the window. And my mom was like, this kid thinks differently. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the box like, or in the box. Exactly. <laughs> so, 
So they had me tested, basically, and I remember as a kid, like, I was doing all these tests, and the first time people were doing the tests, you know, they're like, okay, this kid is very dyslexic, and told my mom to stop raising me bilingual. And she was like, F that. And obviously, I'm super grateful for that, because I would not be anywhere near I am if she wouldn't have done that. So then there was another incident which I really remember clearly in my head and it was third grade where the teacher said to my parents, you can basically give up. This kid is never going to really be able to read and write. And my parents again were like, F that. And I do remember that school was just extremely hard. And that's like one of the misconceptions that I kind of want to talk about that when people hear that I'm dyslexic, they're like, oh, I also mix up left and right. Or, mm. oh, I also have trouble reading. And I'm like, yeah, but it's different. So my mom back then was like, oh, I don't know, you know, what to do. And she was researching a lot. And I just remember that she told me, she researched like all these celebrities who are dyslexic. She's like, but Whoopi Goldberg is dyslexic. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh, good. I have Everyone... more confidence around this now. <laughs> Everyone loves Whoopi, right? <laughs> Like, my dad was helping me with math, and she was helping me with what we called, like, Nachschriften. It's like, you get a text. This was, like, grade school. You get a text, and for a week, you can practice this text, and then the teacher will dictate it to you. I always got the papers back, and they were just, like, drowning in red marker. And those are just, like, very visual. Like, those moments really still stick with me. And also the moments where the teacher is like, oh, can you you know, read this, you know, sometimes you just have to read things and you're just horrible and you break out in sweats. And that was me like all the time. So as much as my mom and both of my parents tried to make sure that I'd never felt dumb or anything, the whole school system, the way it is, is not built for dyslexic people. And so I want to explain a little bit, like, I'll just say we dyslexic people apparently see, I read this analogy, which I think is really beautiful, see with a wide angle lens when other people or non-dyslexic people think with more like a macro lens, which means that we're extremely good at creative problem solving and we see the big picture as opposed to the little, you know, like a problem or a letter. And my sister, she studied linguistics and all that. And she's like, oh, I saw this amazing text and this is apparently dyslexic people don't notice a difference. And it was a text where all of the letters in the middle of the word were jumbled and I could just read over it. So that kind of gives an idea of how dyslexic people see and learn differently. But our school system is just not like that. It's like you must learn this. And even now, like, I don't really care so much, but I know that other people think that spelling or punctuation or whatever equals being smart. And even though both of my parents made sure that I never felt dumb, I, now that I've been thinking about it more due to this podcast, notice that of years of like being embarrassed in school and even now, like every single text, you know, every single little thing I write, I know that there's a big potential to be extremely embarrassed. <laughs> So when you were a kid, and obviously you're getting these papers back with the red ink all over it, how were you affected as a kid, as a peer, 
to other kids who are quote unquote normal and didn't have this ailment? So we had the option of having it written on my report cards. And my mom basically suggested that I don't do that because she never raised me to use it as an excuse. So I think that's How do you feel about that? I think that's good because I've worked with a photographer and every second sentence out of her mouth was, oh, that's because I'm dyslexic. Oh, sorry, I couldn't listen to you because I'm dyslexic or... And I'm like, okay, well... I saw a post on Instagram today of people with OCD and people without OCD. And the people without OCD are often people that use the phrase, I'm so OCD, I have OCD. And the people who actually have OCD would never use that terminology because they would talk about the actual symptoms or things that are bothering them that they're affected by. But the people who think they have it or are assuming, you know, they're affected by it and how there's such a difference of the language that people use. Yes. And that's exactly what I mean. Like when I say, oh, sorry, I'm really dyslexic or whatever. Um, And other people are like, oh, I think me too. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I mean, of course, yes, maybe. But probably you just are not so good at spelling. But you still think the way the rest does. So you appreciate the way that your mom handled the situation in school and not letting you be defined by it. Yes. And recognizing that you were still a student and capable and, you know, able to graduate and go through life. Totally. I mean, yes, both of my parents are like, you you can deal with this. And I just remember my mom saying things like, every book you read is going to make you a better reader. You know, things like that. And especially this year, it was on Minuri's resolution to read more. And I I do love reading, even though it's like extremely difficult. That's what I was just going to say to you is what things do you find are harder for you or, you know, you feel like you're different because of this? That basically, so I'm, you know, being freelance, I write a lot of emails. I wrote an email to you. I write, you know, I had a blog. I, I blogged and I never let being dyslexic stop me from having a blog. But people would like contact me and being like, yo, you need to have a proofreader. And then I did, you know, my sister would do it for me. But any professional email that is somewhat important needs to have someone else read over it. So that slows down the process. And then every time I like really try to not have any mistakes and I send it and I still have mistakes, I'm like, ah. Do you have the signature at the bottom of your email, like the iPhone, like, sorry, I'm not using autocorrect. You know what I mean? But I am. But I wonder. <laughs> but I wonder if I just had an idea, and this oh is God, great. If, if I did not have autocorrect, I probably would live in a cave somewhere. <laughs> but my thought is, what if you put in your signature, like maybe it's promoting my podcast? We'll take that. Like, if there are spelling or grammar errors, it's because of you know, click here to learn more about why it is. Yeah, I was thinking about that, but that's. Basically the same as having it written on my report card. Right. It's but an excuse. But I did think about that I in like my about me page, you know, like fun facts about me. And it was like uh, superfoods geek, uh, crazy cat lady, dyslexic AF or hopelessly dyslexic, I wrote. And this text, again, I had proofread by my friend who works in PR and she said, I wouldn't put that in there. And I was like, Why? You know, it defines how I think and it defines everything I write. 
And then she was like, well, <laughs> and that kind of really made me, it really took me back. She said, well, it might stop people from wanting to work with you. Mm. And I was like, ooh, that really kind of hurt. And I took it off. But at the same time, I want to raise awareness for it. But I still accepted the fact that someone in PR might think, ooh, we can't work with her because she'll have lots of spelling mistakes. And that's why I want to just, again, like put out there that having spelling mistakes is not equal how smart you are. Even though, I mean, I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything you say, you are talking to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So... Have you had any situations work-related-wise that didn't work out because of it? Yeah, there was like a public speaking thing that I uh, applied for, basically, or I knew the organizer. And I said, hey, I could, you know, give a speech on this and this is a speech, okay? And she was like, um, I'm not so sure. And also she was one of the people who mentioned how many mistakes I have on like my blog posts, which is why I enjoy podcasting so much more because all of the notes are just for myself. <laughs> Yeah, so that was one of the things where I think something professional was affected. But honestly, I think it's affected a lot more than maybe I don't necessarily know. Is it a concern or did it become a concern once you heard from this publicist friend that, you know, this is something that could potentially harm you? Yes. And due to that and this podcast, I've been thinking about it more. But yeah, that's the way it is. I think it's one of those things where... People are either going to like you or they're not, and they're going to take you as is with whatever you have or they're not. And I think about places that I interviewed. There's this one job interview that just completely torments me from 10 plus years ago. And I remember walking out of the interview, hysterically crying, calling my mom, and she goes, do you even want to work there the way that they treated you? And so it's the same sort of thing here. If someone's going to turn you down because of this, when you're a smart person and capable and, you know, able to do the work that needs to be done, that's on them and their loss. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. But on the other hand, sometimes it's a nuance that decides between you and someone else. Absolutely. And that might be that. And that's also embarrassing. Like, if you make a spelling mistake, it's everyone's embarrassed by that, right? So how often are you sending things to people to proofread? Any email that is somewhat important is usually proofread by my sister. I mean, applications, 100%. And then, you know, any email where I, I mean, yours was probably proofread. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Lesser Evil. Lesser Evil was born from a desire to make sinfully tasty snacks with clean, sustainable ingredients. At their factory in Danbury, Connecticut, they control every single thing that goes into their products. Their family of snacks includes Buddha Bowl popcorn, Paleo Puffs, and Green Elephant Chips. I am absolutely obsessed with their Buddha Bowl Himalayan Sea Salt Popcorn. Like, legit obsessed. It's absolutely delicious and feeds my popcorn craving every single time. I'm really mindful of taking care of my body to maintain my health, and I love knowing that lesser evil snacks are good for me. To try Lesser Evil's amazing snacks for yourself, go to lesserevil.com and use promo code MADEVISIBLE for 20% off your order. That's lesserevil.com, 
promo code made visible for 20% off. And now back to the show. I mean, it's even text messages where I don't know like how to spell a word that autocorrect can't even help me out. I'm like, oh, God, I just need to get it close enough <laughs> so autocorrect knows what I'm talking about. Or I translate it. Like, I'll put it into Leo and I'll translate the German, then I'll see what it's spelled like. So those are like little tricks that I use. At what point do you feel like you tell people or need to tell people that you have dyslexia when, you know, it's not in your bio or it's not something that you lead with? How do you decide when and if it's relevant? I rarely just come out with it just because unless either it'll come up in conversation or there'll be something that I need to maybe say oh, that's because I'm dyslexic or whatever. Do you feel like that's defending yourself? No, more like an explanation. And I'm not embarrassed by it whatsoever. Like my sister always called it like a Lexi moment. So we have like that. And I'll also say it with my husband, like, oh, I'm having a Lexi moment, things like that. So it's more like a playful thing. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's great that you're able to make light of it. I mean, I think that's something that is talked about a lot on the show of like how you choose to carry yourself and what it is that you're living with instead of, you know, suffering with or it doesn't define you. It's yeah. a part of you. It's something that you deal with and whatnot, but you don't struggle with. You mentioned at the beginning misconceptions. Can you share more of those misconceptions and how they may have affected your life? Yeah, I mean, generally, every time I tell people that I'm dyslexic, they'll respond with, oh, I think me too. That's one of the misconceptions. Then misconception is that um, it relates to how smart or non-smart you are. People think you just have trouble reading and writing, but it's literally the way we learn. And I mean, I did go to therapy for a while. I mean, the uh, dyslexic writing coaching, or I called her my therapist, but she was like teaching and that was during school and that was amazing. And she was very, very helpful too. So it's like there's things that you can do to practice it and that'll help you. But, you know, you can't never get rid of it. So, yeah. So do you feel like there are certain goals that you set for yourself, like reading? Yeah. That are related to having dyslexia? Well, I read a book on positive self-talk <laughs> and how you basically are programmed from childhood on to think certain things about yourself. People will say, oh, you're so good at sports. Oh, you're such a good singer, whatever. Or you're not a good singer, whatever. And having heard my whole life, oh, you know, you have a learning disability, even though I, that's what it's called, but I don't like calling it disability. Right. And so I've been like rewiring my brain into thinking that I don't have an issue. I'm not ignoring it. But like the other day I had to long story, but I had to deal with a lot of numbers and cash. And I was meditating on it the evening and the morning before, just visualizing me dealing with the numbers, dealing with the cash and not messing up. Was $7 short, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> but like the whole, you know, it doesn't... I'm not good at math either. See, but that's that's programming your brain. Yeah. You know, that's Absolutely. from now on, you will not be good at math because, you know, your brain's like, well, you said we're not good at math. So why would we be good at this? My dad is going to be so mad that I just said that. 
He's always like, you can become good at math. <laughs> My dad would probably say the same. But yeah, so it's those kind of things. And I, you know, like the nine and the six to me, it's the same number for me. But obviously, it's when you're not. dealing with money, it's not the same number. <laughs> but, you know, the tip, it'll affect things like the B and the D and the P. It's all the same to me. And it even rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's uh, one of the goals that I have is to not tell myself or to not let it get worse than it is. So what role do you think being bilingual plays in all of this? Definitely more confusion. Like, I was traveling to Colombia, and I was writing a lot of people that I'm going to Colombia, the school, instead of Colombia, the country. Because in German, you spell it, first of all, with a K, and then you spell it with a U. So, yeah. And it's so funny, because I had sent my sister, and she wrote back, like, the country or the school, haha. And I was like... Funny joke. You know, I thought she was being funny, but then I sent it to my friend who's Venezuelan. She's like, it's Colombia with an O. And I was like, oh, and see, those are the things that autocorrect will just not get. Because, right. Of course, because it's <laughs> a completely different exists. word. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's where the bilingual thing like messes with me even more. But, you know, I can still speak and somewhat read and write two languages. Do you use voice memos often? I don't. Interesting. Because I feel like this is an opportunity where, and I have like several friends that love voice memos instead of typing out text messages. No, when I write notes to myself, I really don't care about the spelling. But even sending a text message instead of doing oh, text when writing. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can do it while I'm walking. Exactly. That's why I do it too. Yeah. But so I mean, all of the people who, like my close friends and stuff, like they'll know and my family and they can all figure out what you're trying to say. Yeah, and like I said, to me, it's not that important. Like, other people don't care about grammar, and I don't really care if anything is spelled wrong, unless it's something professional, and it's very embarrassing. Why did you feel the need to start talking about this and sort of raising awareness of the stigmas around it? Because I wanted to, maybe for future people of this planet... <laughs> make room i mean it's not like i'm that important but maybe this podcast is that important. i'll take it make room for you know any kind of situation if anyone gets an email that is full of mistakes instead of judging being like whoa this person does not know how to spell and write they can think oh this person's dyslexic awesome i'll hire them because they're probably more creative <laughs> like there's a lot of positive things that come with it and I would also actually love if the school system might also shift a little bit. And maybe the school system is shifting into the direction of we are going to teach this kid the way it needs to be teached and not the way that is just like generic. Yeah. Have you thought about going back to another coach as an adult or was that just like a school thing? As it relates to this? I have not thought of that. That is very interesting. Probably my health insurance won't cover it. So no. I mean, since I do have a creative job, I don't have to write as much as probably someone else. Like when I am at work, I'm on set and I'm talking a lot. No. <laughs> have you always been a creative person? Yes. It was very clear that from the very beginning, I was always drawing 
My mom taught me how to knit, how to stitch, how to do everything. I've always drawn. I've always painted. I've always been the creative one. I like see things in colors. I mean, I know other people see in color as well, but dyslexic people are a lot more visual. So giving them a word or giving them a sentence, we immediately visualize it instead of thinking of the sentence or the, I don't know how other people think of it, but I'm just like a very visual person. I can remember everyone's exact outfits. Apparently have an extremely good memory. My husband always hates that. <laughs> <laughs> that horrible day. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everyone who's dyslexic, again, we don't all think exactly the same and there's different degrees of it, but I have good memory, especially visual and yeah. And so what role has becoming a podcast host played in your life and your creativity? I love using the podcast to meet more people. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like such a good in to just like reach out to people who you just want to meet and hear their story. I love that. I mean, as much as I love talking, I love that I have people who tell stories that I'm not able to share. I love the aspect of like, obviously building a community of all of these wonderful souls and connecting them together. Actually, I mean, the the podcast Ladies on Ludlow started with events I was hosting at my apartment. And everyone's like, oh, you have such a unique group of friends. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I know they're awesome. And I want to make their voices heard. So that was basically the beginning of it. So cool. I love and then every time that. it comes to the show notes, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you can outsource that, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. But that's what you told me the first time. Because I was exactly. like, how do you feel about the show notes? Here we are months later, still addressing that you can outsource. <laughs> um, so where can people learn more about you, the work that you do, learn about the podcast, and hopefully email with you with or without spelling errors. I mean, probably with, <laughs> unless it's, okay, so I share everything on my Instagram, which is at Madu, one of my nicknames, which is spelled M-A-D-E-A-U, play on the even more French version of my name. <laughs> and then the podcast is ladies on Ludlow underscore podcast on Instagram. My homepage where you can find everything from my bio to portfolio, a uh, link to my podcast, blog, and all those good things is madu.com, M-A-D-A-U.com. Thank you so much for chatting with me about this. Yay! Yay! I hope everyone out there enjoyed this and all the dyslexic people, you got this. Yes! <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone has this, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you especially. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com. Follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.